All around us is iniquity. All of a, I've never seen anything like we're living in right now. Have you? It's everywhere. It's polluted. You know, I, uh, I, first time I went to Cal... Can, can I go here? Yes. Can I just preach? Because yes. y'all standing and looking at me and it's like, man, I ain't going over my notes today. I tell you what, g -g greet somebody and sit down. And we're just going to go here. Is that okay? And we may be singing in a minute. Is that good? Oh, Jesus. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. All right. Have a seat. Hallelujah. You can play. It's okay. I think it's all. Come on, y'all, have a seat. Let's get moving here. I got something to share here. Um, hallelujah. Everybody good? Oh, there it is. Um, Lord, take the word of God and just minister life to every person in this room, I pray. And Lord, I pray for the person. I don't know who, who that would be. That they would yield to you, all of us. Let us yield our hearts to you. If there's anybody sitting in the foyer, you need to come inside and sit in here. Uh, if that's you, we got some signs on the wall if you're in the foyer. And it says, out of respect for the word of God, come in the auditorium. So I just encourage you to do that. Is that okay? Yeah? Yeah. You know, when the first time I went to... Um, uh, so if you're visiting for the first time, welcome to Victory Church. <laughs> this is so funny. We're glad you're here. You know, let me just tell you, we, I follow the Holy Ghost, and every time I preach, I say, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm willing to not do what I do and do what you want to do at a moment's notice. And I mean what I say. And that's a little bit scary because you don't know where you're going, but he'll lead the way. So I've got notes. This is the second time I've tried to preach these particular notes I was going to preach today. So uh, HSM, staff, Holy Spirit ministry today, and my notes won't work, so you got to put another uh, title on whatever's online, okay? So, but let me say this. Look, um, first time I went to Calcutta, India was in uh, Jan uh, January of 1998, and I'd never been there, and um, I think it was Rudyard Kipling. I think he's the one that called... Calcutta, India, the city of the eternal night. And, and I had heard, I didn't know what he meant until I got there. I mean, y'all, he's just unbelievable, unbelievable place. Um, on one city block, you got somebody uh, uh, preparing food, selling food, eating food, sleeping, uh, urinating, getting a haircut, uh, you name it, it's just all over the street. It's just everywhere, and it's just, wow. Mass mayhem, unbelievable. Every five seconds, you think your life is going to end if you're on the road because you got rickshaws and little trucks and carts and uh, people, pedestrians, and uh, big buses, big. You know, in Latin America, they call them chicken buses. Y'all know what that is, right? <laughs> you know what that is, right? 
If you've been there, they, they're just packed out with people, uh, uh, like three times more people than it should ever ride on the bus, so bad that the shocks don't work, so it's kind of, and you got all this, and, and you know, it's just crazy. So, um, so I was out in the street one day, we um, had ministry and all that, but I got back to my hotel room, I'm making a point. I got back to my hotel room and kind of looked in the mirror, and I couldn't believe what I saw. You know, I'm kind of a clean guy. I'm the guy, I'll, I'll take a shower, work all day in my yard, go take another shower. You know, I'm just clean. I like to be clean. I figure Susan likes me clean. I like to be clean. So, um, but I looked in the mirror and y'all, uh, all, all around, first of all, I, I, I was in the uh, elevator pushing the button. And whoa, the cuticles around my fingernails were black with soot. No kidding. And then I looked in the mirror and I got soot. You know what soot is? Right around my nose, because I'm breathing. And I got soot right here. It's all black right around my nose, like a black ring around both nostrils. Like, man, that's some weird looking stuff right there. And then my eyes is just full in my head. I mean, I'm just, I do like this, and I got grime all over me. Welcome to American culture 2024. I would rather have the grime I can wash off than the grime I have to go into all the time. You know, Lot, Second Peter says, was vexed, King James says, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That word conversation means manner of life, lifestyle, behavior. Vexed, vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked, hearing and seeing the wicked deeds that they did. And uh, we're living there now. And the problem is that stuff can easily encroach into your life. How many hear me? And we all have to work really hard to keep it off. And if you don't work to keep it off, it'll come right in. And it won't even say how to do when it comes. It'll just barge in like an unkind stranger. And that's what sin will do. You know, uh, somebody said, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill. He died in 1994, but um, he's got some books on revival and such. And he said, it may take a person 20 years to backslide. Because it's a constant etching away. A constant etching away at conscience. You know, I, uh, I worked in a grocery store uh, one of my public jobs. I had some non-public jobs like working in tobacco fields. And a couple of other things I did as a kid and made uh, $8 a day. But one of my regular jobs, I worked, um, I worked at a grocery store and uh, I was constantly doing stuff with my hands. Actually, even before that, now that I think about it, I worked at a pallet factory. And pallets, you know what shipping pallets are? Those, those um, wooden things that you put boxes and things on for shipping and you put, you know, you put the... Uh, forklift in it and pick it up well we made those things and uh so i was constantly work, working with the wood my job to start with was to clean up but then they finally let me do some of the work on some of the machinery but i worked so much that i calloused my hands i had calluses all over my hands and i would go to school have a little stick pin and i could stick a stick pin in the calluses on some of my hands stick it all the way through and i'll show some of the girls in the class they think I'm really tough because I'm sticking a pin all the way through the skin. Well, it was calloused skin, right? It's dead skin. 
And really, my body did that for protection so I wouldn't hurt that part of my body, right? Now, the way I walk, I shouldn't t- I'm not going to take my shoes off, but my left toe, however I walk, you know, uh, I got a callus on my, on my left toe, right, my big toe right there. And I could do that same thing, stick that pin right through it. Uh, that's what happens to the human heart when repetitiously I do what I shouldn't do. Did y'all get that? So conscience, Paul uh, mentioned several times that he walked with good conscience towards God and towards men. What is a good conscience toward God? That means when I violate him by doing what I know is wrong, the Bible says him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin, right? Or it says whatever is not of faith, I think that's James 4.17, then it says whatever is not of faith is sin. So, so whatever doesn't build up your fellowship with Jesus is wrong, right? Uh, another, uh, you know, uh, word for sin in the New Testament, heart, hematia, uh, really is, is an archery term. And you got a guy who, who's really good with a bow and arrow, and he, he pulls that arrow in the bow and lets it go. And, and he's, looking, he's, looking for the, he's looking for the mark. You know, he's got the bullseye way a long way from him, but he, but he shoots just shy of the of the bullseye, and and the whole the plaque he's started trying to shoot, and, and it lands in the field. That's hamartia. That's sin. That's the New Testament word for sin is missing the mark. That is, that is just just don't do it right. You, you do it wrong. So we, you know we sin in all kinds of ways. Uh, we sin with our words by violating someone and saying something we shouldn't. To, uh, about them in somebody else's presence that we absolutely wouldn't say in their, in their presence, right? That's called gossip, right? And then we defame people and, and we, we say horrible things. Uh, recently, you know what I've noticed, uh, these habits are easy to pick up on. People defame God's name. They use Jesus' name as a slur word. I was trying to w- watch, watch a little something, a little, cl- I thought it was a pure flick movie, but the guy kept saying, Jesus Christ! Well, it was a slang way. That's using God's name in vain. Or when you say, oh my God, did you know you're using God's name in vain? Did you know that? And see, those habits are all around us. So words and then, you know, um, lying words, hurtful words, defaming words. So we can sin with our words. We can also sin with our attitude, right? We can be angry. The Bible says be angry and don't sin. How can you be angry and, don't, and not sin? Anger that stems from self-centeredness is sinful anger. But anger because someone's violating someone else and hurting them in some way, that's not necessarily wrong anger. Jesus was angry. In fact, God is angry with the wicked every day, right? Right? Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, Paul said, be angry and do not sin. So there is a righteous anger. And so again, uh, I've, I've got to deal with anger the right way. So if you deal with anger the wrong way, a lot of people use anger to control other people. Right? I have no idea where I'm going. I have no notes for this. Here we are again. This is straight from the hip or heart, maybe. But you know, anger. Anger can be displayed as wrath. Anger that it is displayed with words or actions. You slam the table or beat the wall. I've seen people beat the wall till they beat a hole in it. You ever seen that? That's sinful anger. 
That's wrath. Or, or somebody that hits somebody else. No, that's wrath. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I got so angry at my car because it, after I put a part on it, didn't work right. I got so mad. And I just beat the side of my car. Well, that's dumb. Beat something. I started beating the, the ground. And see, that's wrath. Right? So may, may, maybe your anger's wrath. Maybe you just hit things and throw things. Maybe break something at home. See, that's a selfish anger. That's trying to control somebody else and trying to produce fear in them. Right? That if they don't stop, you're going to keep doing that. Maybe it just kind of escalates. Anger is a problem because anger can escalate. And that's sometimes uh, out of control anger. Maybe King Saul, do you think? David, I mean, they were saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul got upset. King Saul. So who is this little boy, David? He's just a boy. A red-haired, freckle-faced boy. I'm going to get that boy. He tried to spear him. Tried to kill Send his whole army against him. Right? Where'd that start? Selfish anger. Huh? Maybe to start with. But it ended up. He tried to kill him. Right? You need to be careful with anger. Bible says don't hang around a piece of person with anger. Lest you become like them. And it becomes a snare to your soul. Right? There's another kind of anger. And it's one that's not displayed. And it's very common. And it's a sinful anger too. And it's an anger that becomes silent. And that silence is control. What you doing? No response. Where you going? No response. What you thinking? No response. What's up? What you mad about? Nothing. That's also sinful anger. I've lived long enough to see people control whole households with silence. You got to walk on eggshells. Right? I'm probably not the only one that's seen that, right? I'm not the only one been around dysfunctional families, right? Huh? Yeah, that's dysfunction. What is dysfunction? It means not working right. So we can sin with our with our thoughts, our reasoning, our emotions. Anger is an emotion that produces thought. A thought that produces emotion, right? Huh? Manipulation, control. I've noticed that manipulation and control has become really strong today. Have you noticed that? People say things and do things to, to manipulate and, and to gain a, a particular kind of response from somebody. Did you know that that's wrong? Do you know that's sin? You know, if you're coming out of the world and have known Jesus for a short period of time, you probably still have some of that in your life. That's the truth. When I came to Jesus, God had to deal with anger. And I, could, I, I would get out of control with anger just as a teenager. God forbid if I had allowed that to keep working in my life. It could have been really bad. I could have, I got four, I could have harmed my children deeply with my anger. Can I be real even after I came to Jesus and was in ministry. And Susan and I had our first child in 1984. We had another one in 1986. She had another one in 1988. The last one in 1992. Did you know I had to go back to all four of my children? 
when something would happen at home. I just happened to be a recovering perfectionist. You know what that is? See, a perfectionist puts demands on him or herself. And then they put stringent demands on others. And if the other person doesn't live up to it, they just kind of hear about it in certain ways. You know what I'm saying? So I can be that way, God forbid, but I've asked God to deliver me from that. But I had to go back to all four of my children. I get on my knees sometimes in their room and say, y'all, daddy did it wrong. And I'm really, really sorry for what I said and how I acted. I'm just wrong. Forgive me. How many hear me? So anger. I've just had to deal with anger. Uh, Self-centeredness is sin. How many know that? You got to have your way. You're only thinking about yourself. You're never thinking about how what you do affects somebody else. Now that's really, you know, I always say when I'm traveling, I just look at how a culture drives. It tells you a lot about that culture. You can see the self-centeredness in their way people drive. They, they don't care if they hurt someone else. Right? Now that's becoming an issue in Raleigh. Would you say? Would you say? They got to be on some kind of a substance. Because normal people don't act that way. Right? So I have to pray and believe God. I pray for y'all every day. I mean, seriously, my family, I name my family members. I do it on purpose, see? See, we're talking about sin that hinders, right? Then you can sin with your flesh. You can be looking down your nose at people that you know are doing wrong. Maybe you're looking down your nose at people that are living together and they're not married, but you eat like a pig. I'm not supposed to say that, but I said it. Have you ever seen a pig eat? Most people haven't. I was raised in the country. You go throw the slop. My, my grandmother had a slop bucket. Anybody know what a slop bucket is? This is awful to talk about on Sunday morning, particularly before we go to lunch. But I'm going to make my point. And she had it hanging out on a nail outside at, by, by the uh, barn thing outside. And uh, every time that we finished a meal, she'd put all the, the clippings from everybody's plate, that, the food they didn't finish, into one big plate. And some say, say, Mitch, go through this in the slop bucket. Me? Yeah, go through it in the slop bucket. And so I went and took the extra food, threw it in the slop bucket. And boy, I mean, it had already ripened up real good. And it smelled bad. I want you to know. I said, a pig eats that? So if you eat pork, just think about that pork loin the next time. I know Acts 10, God said, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. I get it. But here I am working in the tobacco fields and we've got a pig pen right by the tobacco field. And and the farmer comes and gets gets some slop. It's just nasty. Oh, it's just, he throws it in the little pot, you know, big pot where the pigs are and you got... 10 pigs in there and y'all they don't think about each other they're just and me I'm just tearing that stuff up it don't last five minutes and they're pushing each other out the way and they're fussing at each other and they're whining and crying at each other there's pigs that's what happens when a pig eats he's selfish right selfishness is a big problem in American culture no it can be a big problem in me and you right I could be a selfish pastor. I could be a selfish husband, a selfish daddy, mama. Right? Right? How did I get off into that? Talking about people eating like pigs. 
I'm talking about your flesh now. See, if you don't control your flesh, your flesh will control you. I'm 65 years old. I still have to control my flesh. My flesh still wants to do things I don't want to do. The real me, right? You just got to, and if you don't get a control of your flesh, your flesh will dominate you. And your flesh could lead you away from the throne of God. Right? It may be appetite. Maybe your issue is appetite. Well, curing appetite starts at the grocery store. Stop buying three dozen donuts. And a whole bag of Twinkies. I don't even know what Twinkies. Twinkies, are. I know what they are. I don't eat that stuff. Most of that stuff's kind of like burning, um, you know, you ever started a fire with, uh, with newspaper? Newspaper bun- burns up real fast, but it doesn't last long. And that kind of stuff is that way physically. So your, your thing might be eating, overeating, or eating the wrong kinds of food. A lot of people today, they are so uncomfortable with life, food becomes a comfort source. And listen, if food is a comfort source for you, you've got some deep issues that Jesus wants to deal with. Yes or no? You can be skinny as a rail and still be a, a hog, a pig, right? I mean, hey, for a long, a lot of years, I was 32 in the waist. I ain't 32 anymore. Somebody asked me the other day, you work out, right? And I said, uh-huh. He said, well, why you still got a little bit of the belly? I said, because I'm 65. Try to walk it off, work it off. Hey, I'm still there. Right? Are you dealing with your flesh? So think about it like this. The strongest desire in the flesh is to preserve your own life. See, that's food. So so a strong desire. So what does fasting say? Body, I'm going to tell you what to do and when to do it. And right now, you're not going to eat. Straighten it up. Right? Yeah. So fasting's good. Why? That, that strongest desire in the human frame, according to psychologists, is the preservation of life. It includes eating. It, it includes finding shelter. Right? Clothing yourself. Keeping yourself from the elements. That's all healthy. Nothing wrong with any of that. But see, that can get out of control. Some people have to have a new outfit every other day. That could be a problem. What about the person that has nothing? Right? Are you dressing so everybody can see you instead of dressing to cover your body? You're dressing so other people will be attracted to you. I mean, that could be a problem. In fact, that's just a problem today. Would you say that's a problem? Can I wander off into that a little bit? Uh, The King James Bible, the uh, other translations don't use the word lasciviousness. Everybody say lasciviousness. What is lascivious behavior? Uh, By definition, partaking of that which tends to foster sex, sin, and lust is lascivious behavior. So could you be lascivious in how you dress? How would you be lascivious in how you dress? If you're dressing to accentuate the curves in your body, you're lascivious. It's quiet in here. Right? 
Now, American cultures become lascivious in dress. Yes or no? Now, look, I got three beautiful girls. I told somebody this morning, if you was my little girl, I'd, I'd say I, I'd, I'd, I'd like you. And, I, you know, I'm a grown man. But I said that to my three girls. I said, if I was a boy, I'd like you. Because I wanted them to know I think they're pretty and cute. And they are. And they still are. And I still think they're beautiful. And they really are. If you saw my girls, you'd say, that's a pretty girl. Right? But I wouldn't let my girls leave home with something that shows their hiney. You know what a hiney is? I could call it several other things, but I won't. You know, boys like to look at that. Have you figured that out yet? Women, have you figured out the boys like to look at your curves? Somebody said yes. Have y'all figured out that the male sex drive is connected to eyeballs? Have y'all figured that out? Huh? So women, if you're dressing in a way that tantalizes a man's eyes, you are a lascivious woman. Wonder how many lascivious women we have in America today. You really think so? You think we have a lot of lascivious people? Whew, this is tough. I feel it getting hot in here. Is this tough? We need to wander around some of these things. When my children were young, I say, you ain't leaving my house. You put them little legging things on. Tight. Now women, I mean, now men wear tight pants. I mean, you got to watch. I got a certain kind of jean. Does this look tight? This ain't tight. I mean, I have to watch the kind of jeans. I've, I've worn, I bought some and they come in the mail, you know, and whoop, 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 whoop. Right? I just got to wander around some of this because we need to. You hear me? So now all the women, yeah, they wear those leggings. And guess what the boys are doing? And guess what that can turn into? Yes, right, lust. Jesus said, Matthew 5, He that looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart, right? So let me let the men off the hook a minute. Now women are going, what are you talking about? Well, here you go. So, the male sex drive is... is uh, Connected to sight. The woman's sex drive is connected to relationship. So if you look and you say, that right there is a pretty woman, God. She's a beautiful creation. That's one thing. And you turn away. And, but if you look and then you look back, then you look again and you think, and you start undressing her with your eyes, that, my friends, is lust. Right? And that lust can produce hardness of heart. Right? So ladies and men, can I just encourage you, stop dressing in a provocative way. I just told my girls, you know, if you're going to wear them little tight things, just wear something low to cover it all up. Right? So ladies, if you do that and you go out in public and every man can see every crack and crevice of you, you got a problem. In fact, you're lascivious and you're helping men sin. 
and men. You all buff and t nice, and ribbed. You got that, you know, your muscles are ripped. And you got that tight shirt. You like the flexes, bullets you got. You need to watch yourself. Because now I'm figuring out that women lust too. Right? We just need to watch ourselves. And, and be respectful of the Lord enough not to dress in a provocative way. I'm talking about sins of the flesh. now, And that's a big problem in America. Would you agree? I'm just, you know, can I be real? I already have been, but... <laughs> I, I don't probably shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it anyhow. Let me get, get a drink of water first. I'm really glad that I wasn't a, a teenager in this day. I mean, y'all, can I get real? I had a hard time in the early 70s. And I was saying, oh, Jesus, please help me. And little girls always looking at you and winking and stuff then. And now it's all flown it out for everybody to see. Right? So parents, watch over your children. Help them dress properly. Help them be respectful of the opposite sex. Right? I'm talking about sins now of the flesh. There's all kinds of fleshly sins. The sex drive, psychologists say, you've heard me say this, is the second strongest drive in the human body, in the human person is the drive for sex. Why? So you'll propagate. So we'll have lots of babies and have lots of people. Now we've got 8 billion people. Somebody must like that. 8 billion people, that's a lot. Whoa. Right? But you've got to control that. And that's not under control today. I've read statistics of recent in uh, America. Um... Sexually transmitted diseases are at their highest. Things like gonorrhea, syphilis, which, you know, they were way, way, way down. Now they're coming back. And then herpes is at an all-time high. I forgot the estimate. The estimates are very high with the population who has herpes in America. It's terrible. It's terrible. Now, if you're a pure boy or a pure girl and you want to get married, what you don't want to do is try them out sexually before you marry them. Right? If you've lost your virginity and you're not married, ask God. Repent before God and spiritually get your virginity back. And say, God, I sinned with my body and I don't want to do that anymore. How many hear me? When I was a little boy, I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, our Baptist pastor had what I call the shotgun sermon. And he had actually put a shotgun behind the organ, which was on his left, the congregation's right, and he got to preaching and talking about sin and sexual sin. He had two really pretty daughters. I actually took one of his daughters to school. She was a pretty girl. But we had a girl in our, in our, in our um, community who rode my bus to school. And she, um, it was odd because in the springtime it got really hot. She wore a, coat, a big like trench coat, raincoat on the bus. I couldn't figure out why I was a little boy. I later figured out she got pregnant. And back then, you just didn't get pregnant, and it was uh, touted as something wonderful. Now, I'm pregnant. I ain't married. Look, I got me a big old belly. Look, I'm going to have a baby. It wasn't touted in the 60s, right? It was hidden. Well, the pastor found out about it. And then he did a big old sermon on the 
terribleness of sexual sin. You know? And then he pulled a shotgun out. We said, Jesus, what's he going to do with the shotgun? Father, help us. And he said, I'd rather somebody take this shotgun and shoot me than for my girl to get pregnant before she gets married. I said, whoa, whoa. So she gets in my car. I'm like, you stay right there. Right? Right? See, y'all, we have problems in America. I mean, seriously. And sin is a problem in America. And can I be real? Sin is a problem in the church. How many hear me? What, what are we going to do about it? My goal is to preach the word. And our hearts should be obey God. Can I encourage you to clean it up? If you're swindling people with your business, stop doing that. Right? If you regularly lie. Did you know lie? people can lie now with a straight face? They can lie, keep a straight face, and get a swig of tea. All at the same time. It's funny. I've never seen anything like it. People will lie. And you have to have the Holy Ghost on you to say they're lying. Because some people can lie and make it seem true. That seems like what the devil did. Hasn't God said, you'll surely die? You won't really die, he said to Eve. You won't really die. You do what God said not to do, you won't really die. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you doing that today. There's nothing going to happen with you. Look at your friends. Look at your family members. They've been doing that for decades and nothing's happened to them. Well, they hadn't died yet, but one day they will. And when you die, the jig's up. No more opportunity for grace and mercy and no more opportunity to change. Right? So, is this okay for me to talk like this? I'm doing it anyway, I suppose. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, that is the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, that is, has exercises self-control. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So, so you've got the... Um, you know, you've got the races and such. And, you know, some of our modern uh, physical endurance things actually started with the Greek games. One of them's racing. And so, you know, these athletes, they would, uh, running, they would uh, uh, watch what they ate. They would temper their food intake. They watched how, they, how much they slept. They had to work out a lot. They were constantly looking toward the goal of winning the laurel, the prize that the... Uh, Grecian game folk that oversaw it would provide and one of the prizes for some of those uh, athletic contests was that if you were a citizen of Rome you paid more, no more taxes for the rest of your life hey that sounds like maybe something you'd, you'd want to be interested in right but again he says they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown therefore I run thus not with uncertainty thus I fight not as one who beats the air then verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be disqual become disqualified. Wow, strong word. I've got some notes on my little Bible here. 
So listen to this note. This comes from Rick Renner, Sparkling Gems from the Greek New Testament. I have it attached to the scripture. And I don't think you have an access to that unless you have access to um, Sparkling Gems. When the King James Version uses the word castaway. In fact, uh, King James says... I discipline my body, bring it into subjection. Last one I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Or here it is, New King James says disqualified. So he says of that word disqualified or castaway. He said it's actually the Greek word uh, adokimos, which comes from the word dokimos, an old Greek word that means approved. But when it's added to the front of the word, uh, making it, when an A is added to the front of the word, making it akidamos, it reverses the condition, which means this is no longer an approved person. Now this person has become disapproved. This is a person who has lost a high position he once held. Although he was once honored and respected, he's now become a castaway. He's lost his testimony and forfeited his reputation. As a result, he's become discredited, dishonored, shamed. Wow, the primary reason people became discredited and shamed is that they didn't control their flesh. Instead of crucifying the flesh and submitting it to the control of the Holy Spirit, they pandered to the cravings of the flesh. As a result, they become dominated by the desires of the flesh. And those fleshly desires very deceptively lead them to fall into sin. He further says, so, so I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The word subjection is a word, uh, I'm not even going to tell you the Greek word. It, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's a big one. A compound of the word doulos and ago. Uh, the word doulos is the word for a slave. And the word ago is a Greek word that means to lead. This means the, that Paul mastered his body and flesh rather than allowing his body and flesh to master him. He knew that many believers allow themselves to be led about by their fleshly desires. But Paul was determined that he would be the master of his own flesh. He was going to keep it in subjection. In other words, he was going to lead his flesh about as his slave rather than it be a slave then be its slave and pander to its carnal desires. By mastering his body and keeping it under his control, Paul made his flesh an instrument through which he preached the gospel. His feet became his tool to take the gospel to places that had never heard the good news. His eyes became instruments through which he was able to identify needs that God's power could meet. His voice became the voice of salvation, healing, and deliverance to those who heard him preach. His hands became the hands of God that brought a healing and compassionate touch to those in need. Uh, Paul's body, which he determined to make his slave and his instrument, it goes on to say, was never allowed to have its own way. Rather, Paul kept under his com it under his command and made it his slave for the purpose of accomplishing his God-given dreams. If you continue, this is a question. If you continue going the way you are, Going right now, is your physical body going to be a fine-tuned instrument that God can use? Or, or, um, is it going to be the very tool the devil uses to bring you into discredit and shame? It's a good question, isn't it? Maybe I should read that one again. If you continue going the way you're going right now, is your physical body going to be a fine-tuned instrument that God can use? Or is it going to be the very tool the devil uses to bring you into discredit and shame? Who is running your life today, you or your flesh?
If the Apostle Paul was concerned that he could become discredited after all he had seen and done in the service of God's kingdom, I think it would be wise for you to be concerned about who is running your life as well. Don't cut your flesh too much slack, friend, or it won't be long before it's running all over you and telling you what to do. You will reap the same results as others do when they refuse to discipline their flesh. In other words, you will eventually become broken by it. Don't join the front ranks of those who were once used by the Lord but are now set aside and ruined because they refuse to bring their bodies into subjection. Your reputation, your influence, and the souls of unsaved men and women are at stake. Make sure you don't become a castaway after all the good you have already done. And that, that's heavy, heavy for Sunday morning, right? I think we need more stuff like this on Sunday morning myself in churches. Do you? Seems as though the reason that we're having problems in America is that pastors have shut their mouths. I had a friend that was an exemplary trumpet player. He went on a missions trip with me, and he had a spike he put in the, in, the, in the front of his trumpet when he was practicing. He had to keep all of his facial muscles just taut. This guy had recorded music. I mean, this guy was exemplary. When I say he was a trumpet player, he was a trumpet player par none. They might could use him in heaven to play some of those tunes that the angels do when they're coming back. I don't know. He could play. And I would hear him in his room you know, we're in a rustic place, but he's in his room. And he put a spike on the end of his trumpet and, and he just went through all the little uh, trills or whatever. And he, he practiced, 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 practiced. Why? To keep his uh, face muscles taut and, and, and pliable and flexible so he could be good at trumpet playing. But when he put the spike on the front of the trumpet, it wouldn't play very loud. And you couldn't hear it very far away. If you took the spike out, everybody could hear it, right? And a lot of pastors have a spike in their trumpet. I'm not going to put one in mine. I hope you like what I say, but if you don't, I'll be okay. My, my goal is to preach truth, right? Y'all, I, I can't tell you how uh, concerned I am about our nation. I think we're at the forefront of something very dark and foreboding. And I don't like, I'm a very positive person, but I don't feel good about what I see. I don't see how we can have a good future based on what we're doing now. Did you hear what I said? What they're, they're placing in the minds of our children at school. How can we ever have a good, strong family? No, there's a design to destroy the family and destroy the, the morals of a once godly nation. And it's working right now. And you should be really concerned about it. So parents, listen up. If you've got children, I mean all the way from diapers on up to 18 years old, you should be in their face. What you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're doing with your time, who you're hanging out with at school, who you're going home from school with. Because friends, I tell you what, they get a certain age, their body develops, their hormones are raging, and there's everything in this culture telling them to have sex. You know, I've had the unfortunate, it's not even, uh, well, the unfortunate thing of, of having so many people sit in front of me. I can see their faces, and uh, I just have heard so many things of a venereal disease they can never get rid of, of a baby that was born that almost lost its eyesight because of venereal disease that the mama didn't know she had. Did you hear what I just said? Because the husband was sowing wild oats. Do you hear me? 
This is tough stuff to say, friends. It's a tough era of time. And it's really time for us to seek God. And you know what I think? I don't think you're going to do it on your own. I think we need God. What do you think? I think we need the power of God. The reason we changed our services to one service, we'll just pack this place out. I believe we will one day. What do you think? The reason we did that is because I want the Holy Spirit to manifest. Because if He manifests and gets, works in His way inside of you and empowers you, you'll be able to overcome your flesh. You'll be able to overcome words that you shouldn't be saying, things you shouldn't be doing, anger you shouldn't be having, right? Fleshly things that you should not be involved. You'll be able to say, uh-uh. How many hear me? Y'all, we need God today. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't forget, when you came to Jesus, God placed dunamis in you. It's the power of God. I mentioned last week when Jesus, when that woman touched the robe of, of Jesus, him of Jesus' robe, dunamis came out of him. Power! Ah! And it dried up that flow of blood she had for 12 years. Whew. And all that same dunamis, it can dry up desire. It can dry up the desire to lie and to cheat and to steal and to be immoral and to be self-centered and to be angry. How many hear me? It can dry it up, but you gotta, you got to go where it's at and you got to stir it up. How many hear me? You know, I got to iron and I ironed my shirt yesterday and I ironed my pants. I do it every Saturday about five o'clock. If you look at your clock, five o'clock, Pastor Mitch ironing the shirt. I ironed three shirts and a pair of pants yesterday. I thought how much money I could make out of an ironing service. I could, I, could, I could iron people. I can iron a shirt pretty fast. Put a nice crease in the corner, you know. I forgot what I was. Oh, iron. I got an iron in my, in my house. And you know, as long as that iron is sitting in the, in the shelf, in the cupboard, guess what? It's as cold as it can be. And it won't, it won't take the wrinkles out of any cloth it's put on. Is that true? But man, I take that thing that's got one of those real things in it, and you to bring the cord out, stick it in. And then it's got this little thing, you know, you pour some really nice water in it. And then I push a button, and I'm ironing my shirt. If the iron's not plugged in, it does no good. And if you're not plugged into the power of God, it's not doing anything for you. That's why every day you need time with Jesus. Not just, well, Jesus, here I am. Don't you love me? Don't you care about me? No, it's search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any, something, anything wrong in me, right? You need to time every day by yourself. Seek God. We're talking about prayer on Wednesday nights. Come, because I really talk about the nitty-gritty. Maybe ask, give time to ask questions Wednesday night. But you need to seek God. Need the Word. How many know the Word will fill you up, pump you up, stir you up, and won't leave you alone? The Word's like a hammer. It's like a fire. You get God's word in you, you start to do something wrong. You say, what you doing, boy? What you doing, girl? What you thinking? Where you going? What you go, what's going on? How you acting? What you saying? Right? How you making other people feel? It does all that in you. Isn't it good? Could you imagine life without the influence of God? Now there's American culture today. We've taken God out of public school. We've taken God out of uh, public civic life. And we've replaced him with lies. And all kind of mess. And now we're, we've sown the wind and we're weep, reaping the whirlwind. 
that what Jeremiah said? Is that what we're doing? So I want to give you time. I think I've said enough. How did I get off into this? Oh, yeah. Somebody needs to, I don't know who you are, but you really need to toe the line. You don't have a conscience. And you're, that's a dangerous place to be, I can't tell you. I've met so many people of recent, I can tell they don't have a conscience. They don't care. Huh? If you have a conscience, you have to live right even when nobody's looking. Right? Hmm? So here's what I think I want to do. And I encourage you not to go. We're going to go at a good time. We're, We're almost done, but not quite. Not quite. Let's have an altar time. What do you say? Does that feel good? Well, it might feel bad, but it will be good. And if I've said something that has rattled you and disturbed you, and you know that's me, it's okay. We have an advocate with the Father. A lawyer with the Father that's never lost a case. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 1 John 2, 1 says. And he's the atonement for our sins. He's the propitiation, King James says. I've said these things before. To propitiate is to, is to satisfy the demands of anger against something done that's unjust. Jesus has propitiated, it's satisfied God's anger against your sin. Is that good news? See, God's righteous. He's holy. He's pure. We just think he's love. No, he's all, he's love, but he's everything else too. And his eyes are flames of fire. And see, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from sin. And then you go to God. This is what I do. If you have anything in your life and say, God, I don't want to be angry like that anymore. I don't want to be a wrathful person where I'm scared. people are scared to be around me. If I get upset, they don't want to upset me. So they walk on eggshells. If people walk on eggshells around you, if your family does, you have problems, my friend. And so many families are that way. I know because I've talked to them. Or if you give your family to silent treatment when you don't get your way, friend, you are a self-centered person. Let's get real. See, you take those kind of things to the Lord. Or if it's, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're the person, you're skinny as a rail, but you overeat. And it's because you just don't feel right inside. There's something dissatisfied. Your need is not met. It's an emotional need. Then you satisfy, you satisfy that, that void inside by eating, eating, eating. Some people smoke, 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 or they smoke pot, or they drink. Some people drink, 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 because they got a need inside that's never satisfied. And then demons and devils come and say, let me help you with that drink. I'll cause you to want to drink all the time. Then you can't get enough, and then eventually your liver dies. I've buried people whose liver died. I've buried them as a pastor. Sad, sad. Don't let that be you. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is coming before the throne of God. We used to sing a song in the Baptist church, just as I am, without one plea. But that your blood was shed for me. And that you bidst me come to the Lamb of God. So you come before God and say, God, I've got a problem. If you're serious, like, come on. If your problem's overeating or it's anger or it's gossip or it's, you know, you're just a self-centered person. We got a lot of uh, narcissists today. Have you noticed? They do everything to please them. And if their spouse doesn't like it, they tell them where they can go. And it ain't heaven either. Huh? Or you got fleshly stuff you're dealing with, right? Guys, every guy in here, man, you got to make a covenant with your eyes. And make a covenant with God. Lord, help me not to lust, right? 
If you've not said that, then that means you're lusting. I just tell you full well. I, I, I is a guy. I know what that's like. You've got to say, God, I don't want that in my life. I resist that in Jesus' name. And when a girl walks up or a lady walks by and they're dressed in the wrong way, you say, God, help me turn my head and not look at that and think the wrong things. Right? And then, ladies, if you're dressing in a provocative way, you need to repent before God. I'm not kidding. Cover up. Hmm? I, I noticed the guy, that, the madman of Gadara. He was, here's this guy. He uh, practiced actually sadomasochism. And Jesus cast uh, a few devils out of him. Remember that guy, Mark 5? He didn't have any clothes on. He walked around naked cutting himself. If you're cutting yourself, devils. If you don't want to wear clothes the right way, devils. Did you hear me? You know, I, was, I could talk forever. I was on the way to the coast of India. I was in Angol, India. It was about an hour and a half drive to the coast. And we went through this city, this old nasty city. And I was in a SUV, minding my own business, praying in the spirit. We're about to dunk people in the Indian Ocean, that brown water. And, and we went through this city, had to slow down. Here come a woman. It looks like she hadn't, uh, she hadn't um, brushed her hair in, in maybe a year. It looks like a rat's nest. It was hanging out all like this. And then she had her arms up in the air, and she was going, ah! and she was running through the streets naked. I think somebody in the van said, well, there goes a woman full of the devil. How did we know? She didn't have any clothes on in public. Now, we got a lot of devils in America. Yeah. Oh. Uh -huh. So, I'll give you a chance. I want to make this an altar down here. I really want you to come. Coming down here doesn't mean that you have gross sin in your life. Coming down here means, you know what? I'm opening my heart to God. And I want to be right. I want to have a tender conscience when Jesus comes back. And as the world continues to devolve, I want to get better in Jesus and shine brighter for him. Right? So if that's you and you want to get things straight and you just want to say, God, I'm making a fresh consecration, won't you come on down? Everybody stand up. Don't go anywhere. We'll go home in a minute. But come on down. If that's you, come on down. I think I'll do me some praying up here. Come on. Just cover. Come down and get on your knees. Just come right down and get on your knees. Come out of your chair and get on your knees. I hope you got some good juicy songs, bro. You got them? Yeah, some, some, some waiting on God songs. Draw me close to you. Or you may have something else that's better. I don't care. I want you to do it. So, Father God, we come in Jesus' name. Cut the lights down, y'all. You know, if you need to kneel at your chair, I'm good. If you're older and you can't get on your knees, I get it. I get it. Sit in the chair. Come on, talk to the Lord. Let me tell you about the Lord as you come. Come on and kneel down. You can pray while I'm talking a minute here. But, you know, just be honest with God. Say, God, this is in my life. This is in my life. You already, see, He already knows everything about you. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you get up. He knows your thoughts are far off. There's not a word in your tongue, but that He doesn't know it. So everybody, come on. Either sit down or kneel down. And come up front if you can. Y'all that are on the walls, come on up. And, and kneel down up here. Y'all make room for Him. Come on. We all smell good. We take baths around here. Come on. Father, we just worship you, sir. Lord, as we all come before you and talk about us to you, and as our brother wonderfully plays some music and sings, I pray that the Spirit of God touches every life. Lord, every person that's in a chair sitting down, every person that's praying up here, Lord, I ask you, we're calling on you. 
Call on the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked man forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And you'll have mercy. So let the mercy of God come into this room, sir. And give us an ability to be honest about, with you about us. And anything that we tried to hide, nothing can be hidden from you. Nothing is hidden from you. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So, Lord, as we pray, talk to us. And now you get specific. Tell the Lord what it is you struggle with and ask him to help you overcome it completely. Whatever it is. Go ahead. Thank you, Father. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship. Lord, thank you for hearing every person as they pour their heart out, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All I thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I give you praise. All that I adore is found in you. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. I want you to pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, you have heard what I've been saying. And you know me better than anybody in life. You know what I deal with. You know what I face. You know what tempts me. You know what weaknesses are in me. And Lord, I yield myself to you. And I ask you to forgive me for every wrong thing that I have participated in, in any area of life, from my thinking, my emotions, my words, my motivations, my physical habits. I lay myself before the throne of God and ask you to forgive me and do a deep work inside of me. Pull out of me any rebellion towards you, any desire to disobey your voice, any desire to do what I want to do at the expense of you and other people. I lay it before your throne in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the Holy Spirit, let him work in me in a fresh way in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, I give you thanks and praise. The Holy Spirit's inside of me. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. He's greater than my flesh. He's greater than the culture around me. He's greater than all of the influences I face every day. He's greater than anything inside of my flesh that would disobey you. And Lord, I call on the greater one. Let him rise up in me. Lord, let him rise up and live big in me. Let me be filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. Lord, let the very fire of your presence come into me and burn out the chaff, burn out the dross, and anything that would hinder you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I give you praise. The blood of Jesus, your Son, has cleansed me from all sin, has washed away every blemish and every blot and every stain. And Lord, thank you. If I confess my sin, you are faithful and you are righteous to forgive me and cleanse me. So Lord, as far as I know, my accounts are settled with you. My sins are forgiven. I'm blood washed. I'm blood bought. And the blood of Jesus is working in my life right now. As I leave this place today, may the blood of Jesus, may it quicken me, may it work inside of me, and may it help me resist anything from on the outside that would seek to stain my spiritual life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, let me go a step further. Let the boldness of Jesus, Lord, let your boldness come on me. Let me be bold and loving at the same time to say what it is and to resist things that are wrong and not to kowtow to an opinion that is an abomination. Help me as a believer to be the salt and the light that you have called me to be in the name of Jesus. We're lights in a dark world. We are salt in a perverse place and we change our environment. Let the environment be changed by me just being there this week. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Come on, stand up now. Let's just worship Him. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus over every human personality in this room. Lord, I apply the blood of Jesus to every person, to their minds, to their emotions, to their wills, to their bodies. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus, which is an awesome power. Is it is an awesome source. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You found devils that would operate through any personality in this room. I command you, come out of them. Loose your grip on them. In the name of Jesus, come out. And Lord, I pray for freedom and for every personality. Freedom from it, from things that would distract from God. Freedom from habits that would mar the personality. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you. Those whom the Son has set free are free indeed. Thank you for the freedom of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say it. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus has set me free. No devil can operate in my life. I absolutely refuse to allow it. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. And I give you thanks, dear Father God, for my freedom in Jesus. Thank you for my freedom in Jesus. Thank you for my freedom in Jesus. Glory to God. Come on, Lord, I give you my heart. Sing it again. Yeah. your seat we're gonna close in just a second go back to your seat glory to God I want you will you put that prayer on the screen while they're going back to their seat in the congregation here if you're watching online you see that's can they see this online wave your hand if they can yes okay good if you're watching online or you're in the room you prayed you come down here and pray that's good but you know you got to keep yourself in fellowship with Jesus. And the only way I need to do that is confess your sin. You may have strayed away. I was praying this morning and I was praying for people who had strayed away from the Lord. And, uh, you know, you can stray away in so many ways, but, uh, you know, uh, John ended uh, his epistle, 1 John uh, 5, the very last verses. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So if you've left your first love or you've walked with God but walked away and want to come back or you're here and you've never been born again, if born again is a foreign word to you, you, ha you don't have it. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. You're not born again just by praying a prayer. You're born again by giving your heart to Jesus and making a decision today that I don't ever want to be the way I was. 
I'm ready to be transformed. If that's you, will you repeat that? Now you're watching online and you say, well, pastor, I heard what you said. That's kind of tough stuff. Well, it is. It's tough for me too. But you know what? Jesus loves me this, I know. And he loves you too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son, Jesus said, verse 17, John 3, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved from sin and not go to hell. So don't be a Judas. Don't be a Judas. Be an honest person. Be real before God, if you will. We'll hug each other in heaven. And we'll say, I'm glad I made it. I'm glad he dealt with me. I'm glad he allowed me to repent and stay close to him. I'm glad he forgave me when I messed up, right? So if you need this prayer, pray it right now. If you're watching online, only works it with repentance. That's the thing that unlocks this prayer. You got to be willing to change your lifestyle. Pray with me out loud. God, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin born son of God that he died in my place to pay for my personal sins and that he rose from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I give myself wholeheartedly to you for the rest of my life. Change my interests and desires. Thank you, Father, for saving me from my sin. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, you know, God heard it and he answered. And prayer is not a feeling. Answered prayer is not a feeling. But you know, it does produce them at times. Could everybody just lift your hands and thank God for hearing that from you? You might have prayed it before today, but would you thank him for saving you? And if you just prayed that prayer online and you're in the room, Lord, we just want to give thanks along with those who just prayed this prayer to get right. And we just want to say thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your eye being on us. Thank you for your ear bending out and hearing us. And Lord, thank you for your undying love and your endearing care for us. Thank you. We just want to say thank you. Watch over us this week. Minister life to us this week. Lord, we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to you. In Jesus' name. I would encourage you to take a picture of that prayer if you haven't before. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, how many know you should be sharing Jesus with people when you leave here? Now, we should be getting more people saved outside than doing here, right? I mean, that's because of you. So, So look for God to use you to minister. People need the life of God. They need the Lord Jesus. So, so be bold enough to share Him. You know, not, not in a condemning way, but in a forthright way. And tell Him what He did for you. And that's a good way to pray if you reach the point the person would like to uh, make their Jesus the Lord of their life and be converted to Him. Then that's a good prayer to pray.